Welcome to Oh It's Me, I'm the Red Flag, the ultimate spot to hear me reveal all the ways I've been getting in my own way the last 40 years. I'm your host, Kristen Autry, and what I have learned is that ignoring the red flags in life is easy. It's also the quickest way to create a reality that you don't want to be in. So whether you're here looking to manifest love, improve your mindset, or just laugh at the dumb shit I do, then you're definitely in the right place. What is up, guys? So I'm back. Here I am. Started working with a new coach. And I don't know, you know, when you just like find people that you're, I don't know, it just feels like really energetically aligned with. And you're just like, yes, I need that energy in my life. And that's what it was for me with him. And he's, I don't know, I'm sure it's me being aligned with me too, and just being ready. And then just finding somebody who's like nudging me into that space of like opening up more and showing more vulnerability and finding more authenticity and really just aligning with who I am. Um, And so one of the things that he suggested and that he has done is to do a podcast with, you know, my, my story and talk about how I got here and background to me. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people because it is vulnerability and there is typically a part of people's brains that is like, why does anyone want to hear that? Like, why is it interesting? And these are things that I've been thinking about too. And not that I'm scared because I do think my story is, you know, a little bit unique and different and interesting. Um, But more so, I think there's a lot that has happened in my life that is difficult to overcome. Um, And for all intents and purposes, like I shouldn't really be where I am based on the things that I have experienced in my life and my childhood. And I am here, which also makes me think that they were supposed to happen so I could get here because I don't know if I would be here without them. But if you look at some of the things that has that have happened to me and the things that I've gone through, I also should not be here on paper. This is not where I should be. And some of these things are hard for me to talk about because, well, they are vulnerable. They are like just me being very open and they also involve other people (laughs) that are going to listen to this. Some that maybe aren't and some, I don't care if they do. And then others, you know, obviously I don't want to hurt anybody or, or, make anyone else uncomfortable but it's also my story and it's important for me to share that story not only for healing purpose purposes but so others can relate and don't feel so isolated and don't feel so alone because if I'm looking at my overall goal of what I want to do and who I want to be moving into a coaching business and coaching programs and the goal is to help others because this healing journey is no fucking joke. Yeah. So that's where I am and I'm hesitating. So I'm going to jump into it. You know, and some of you listening already know, like I'm not really quiet about my, my dad and how I grew up. And now what I'm, I'm comfortable saying was emotional and psychological abuse. Um, But I hesitated on that for a long time because it wasn't, you know, physical or sexual abuse. And so therefore, as with a lot of mental health issues, it's like, just why can't you just get the fuck over it? 
it's only really, really recently that I have realized how much it really did affect me because I think I downplayed it in my head for a long time. And it's still, when I think back to it, like there's not a lot of good memories that I have from childhood, which sucks because I think there was a lot of good shit that happened. It's just not what comes to the forefront of my mind. Like for me, it wasn't like this happy, healthy home. It was tumultuous and just chaotic, which, you know, also in telling the story may give a little bit more insight into why I am the way that I am for those of you who don't understand or have ever questioned it. So yeah, growing up, it was just, it was difficult. And I'm the oldest of three. My brother and I are five and a half years apart. And then my sister and I are actually 16 and a half years apart. So she was born when I was 16 and a half when I was in high school. Um, so she was only two when I went to college, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, it wasn't somewhere that I would want my kids to grow up. My dad was the word that comes to mind is bully. And it's just like you had to be on guard at all times or you were getting knocked the fuck down. Sometimes, honestly, physically, but more so just mentally, psychologically. And physically, I mean, he was 6'5", so he's like nothing to fuck with. He's an intimidating guy. He's huge. My brother now is, I actually thought my dad was 6'4", but my brother one time was like, no, nah, because I'm like 6'3 and a half, and he's a little bit bigger than me, so he's at least 6'4 and a half. So he's a big guy, and he always made sure to let people know that they weren't big enough to do whatever it is that they were trying to do that he didn't fucking like. But yeah, it was just, it was not a place of safety for me. And, you know, I recently told my mom this, that I did not feel safe growing up. And I think she was surprised. And this is, you know, obviously the person that most that I'm, I guess, worry about hearing this is her because, you know, on one hand, it's like, she's as much of a victim as I am. And on the other hand, I carry around, I have, I've, I've let a lot of it go now, but I carried around anger for a while because I was like, of all the people in that house who are victims, you're the one who chose to be there. None of, none of the other people had a choice. So I think I subconsciously carried that with me for a while and like projected that back to her without really understanding why I was being such a bitch to her. But yeah, it was just this, this environment of, like not being safe. And the second you put your guard down, it's like he could fucking smell it. And then he would just go in on you. And one of the most, like this visual that I have in my head, it's like a tattoo burned in my brain is just these four dots. They were prong marks from a fork that stabbed into the kitchen table. And they were there. For I, they might still be there, honestly. I don't even know if he still has the same table. I have, I see him occasionally, occasionally. But yeah, he he got mad at the dinner table one night. One of the good things, uh, there's a good memory. One one good memory was that like we always ate as a family. That was like a thing for us. But we were eating, and and, and then instantly it's going to change to something negative. We were eating as family, and I don't. He got pissed off at something, and he threw. I think it was like a a dish of peas probably because like my mom didn't pass them the right way like literally this was the stuff and he just disproportionately angry to everything and he threw it and the fork stuck into the table and it's just a it's an image that is just it's stuck with me and to think like what if that hit somebody or what if it stabbed somebody or or just 
anything. But it's just the whole concept to me. And it it brings up this like, I want to say chaos inside, even just talking about it now, because it is, it's that like fight or flight feeling. And because I was the oldest, I was the fighter. I was the absolute fighter. Like I would go to fucking battle with him. I would never back down. And the one time, I think I was in college. I can't remember what happened, but our, it was like our dining room, living room. There was like, you walked in the house and then you're in kind of like the foyer area and you could go straight down a little hallway to the kitchen, or you could go left into the living room. And even if you went left into the living room, then you would make a right into the dining room and then a right into the kitchen. So it looped like all the way around. And in the living room was our computer. And I don't remember, I think it was one time when I was home from college and I was on the computer and I don't know if he didn't want me on the computer. He wanted me to do something else, but he came in and like hit all the buttons so that the whole thing shut off. And his verbiage that he used was like, that's my computer, you know, and he was pissed off. It was his shit. Um, that's my computer. Get off of my computer. And I remember him, like I stood up and I, you know, I, I'm a ball buster too. Like I'll, ch- I would challenge him right back. Like, go ahead. I dare you to fucking hit me. And he was like pushing me with his stomach. And again, he's six, five and I'm, I'm five, seven, five, six and a half. And he was like bumping me all the way through that loop from the, the living room into the dining room, into the kitchen. And I just kept pushing him back. But these are the things that it's like, it becomes so like forefront of my mind now, why I am the way I am when it comes to relationships, or at least why I was the way I was. I've really worked on a lot of things and healed so much of this and understand more where it all stems from. So I can, even if it's not healed, I project it onto people less. You know, I guess the good thing about some of this is the fact that I am not willing to fight because I don't want to fight, but I'm protective as fuck and I'm loyal as fuck too. And I think those are probably like two things that I got. Like if you're, if I consider you my people or to be honest with you, even if I just consider you like kind of my people and I see some shit going down that I don't like, like I will rip a motherfucker's face off for you. And I, I really won't think twice about it because I just, I'm super protective. and like Michael Orr scored 98% on protective instincts. And so like, I can find now the good stuff that has come out of it. But it was just, it was very tumultuous. And I've learned so much about the subconscious. And I, it was actually recently within the past couple months, I was watching, I can't remember what her name is, but she was on a uh, an episode of Lewis Howes. And she's a PhD in neuroscience, I believe. And she was talking about how the subconscious is programmed. And basically, the earlier the programming, so like the younger you were when you learned something, the more subconscious that programming is. So the less that you are aware of it and the more powerful it is. So not only are you not aware of it, but it will dominate your your life. And it's so abundantly clear to me now why people get themselves in these shit relationship patterns and can't understand why because that subconscious programming is so deep down in there and the way that I think about it and whether or not this is scientifically correct I don't know but 
it makes so much sense because if you think about when you were like a fetus, I know you all remember that as I do. Think about it. No, but when you were growing in the womb, you know, the first things to develop were like your organs. And now, you know, your autonomous system, the, the, the part of your brain that runs that stuff, that to me, like that was programmed. That was the first thing almost. So it was so long ago and it's programmed so deep down in there that you can't even shut it off if you wanted to. You can't stop your blood from flowing or your kidneys working or your liver or your heart or your, I don't know what else is in there, your gallbladder. I don't know, all the organs in there. So that speaks volumes to me. And then the first thing you did when you came out was you took a breath of air. So that was programmed that long ago. You know, first thing you did in the real world, take a breath. And sure, if I pull my breath to my conscious mind, like if I think about it, I can stop my breathing. But even if I hold my breath until I pass out, it'll, it'll kick back into autopilot. My subconscious will go, we got to breathe because your subconscious is designed to keep you alive. And it works the same way with love because love is a necessity as a child. You need it. You like literally will die without it, die without human contact and isolation. That's why it's a torture. It's a form of torture. And so for me, it's like I grew up with somebody who was so tumultuous. And so, you know, right after I learned to breathe, I started seeing behaviors that showed me that love was scary. And if it wasn't to me directly, it was to my mom. Love was scary. Love was something I had to work for, something I had to earn, something I had to chase. And no matter how much I did that, I didn't win. Like I couldn't get there. I couldn't achieve that. And so when you take that, I'm getting a little emotional, but like when you take that and you put that programming into a little girl, it's like your dad is the first person that you're supposed to, I mean, this is so Freudian, but that you're supposed to love, you know, have that energetic cord with and that attraction to. And then mine was just like, let me dangle this carrot and I'm going to fuck with you. Like that's literally how I feel about it. And especially looking at my track record with men and the way that I, I have behaved and thought and felt and believed about myself in relation to them because it's those guys and still, you know, and, and there is a piece of this that I can work on because I think when you get, you know, you find somebody and you have that big energetic cord with and you start to fantasize and obsess about them. And I think we've all been there, but that is you taking them and putting them on the pedestal. And so the obsessive thoughts and, you know, feeling like, okay, this is it. And just getting over the top excited about it isn't a normal thing. It's, it's from a trauma response. That said, I like that energetic cord. I love that feeling of just being like really excited about somebody. And I, there's definitely a healthy way to do it. And I'm, I'm moving more and more into that, but it's my whole life. I would meet a guy and subconsciously think again, not in my aware mind, but subconsciously think, oh, this guy can fill this void that I didn't get from this love because we have this big energetic cord and I can really feel it. And I feel the, you know, I feel the chemistry and I feel the connection and it's not actually, it's, it's, it's a void. 
But then as soon as I felt that, I would go and now I have to earn his love. I have to get, how do I get him to love me without realizing that do I even like him? But because I wasn't taught, this is what I carry around with me. You know, as a kid, because I think my mom was dealing with her own trauma response, it was tough. Like I feel that I was, I want to say ignored. And I don't know if that's the right word because I wasn't like isolated. I mean, I, there was attention that was paid to me. I just look back and I, I definitely had inattentive ADHD for fucking sure because I was a fucking space cadet. And those who know me might be like, what do you mean was? <laughs> I have my moments. When I was in Catholic school till I was 12 and it was always, what, what are they? I, I don't even know the wording that they write on there. I'm going to find it and put it in the description because I can't remember. But it was always, uh, you know, has potential, has potential. But I remember my mom coming back from like a parent teacher conference in sixth grade and my sixth grade teacher, who I actually loved, he was an awesome teacher. He was like, yeah, you know, everybody else is filing in. And then here's Kristen, like, just looking up at the clouds, getting in her desk, like, no idea what's going on. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And it was that message of like, well, if you just applied yourself, like, you can do this. You're smart enough. And that's all true. I definitely am. And it was still like one of those things where I'm like, how did nobody catch on to this? And maybe it's because it wasn't a thing. Maybe it's because, you know, that that's not what you did back then. And you know, it's just like toughen up. Life's tough. Get a helmet. Figure it the fuck out. And maybe that was part of it. But learning was always really hard for me. And I have this like 100% in, 100% out personality still. Like I thought that was when I was kind of going through my healing, I thought that was something I needed to heal, you know, giving people more of a, of a chance. And maybe there is some aspect to that. But for me, it's like love or hate. I'm like, I'm all in or all out. And that has become so evident with me with the stuff that I do and the stuff that I'm aligned with. The stuff that I don't like and I don't want to do, I'm like, I'm not doing it. I am not. Life is too fucking short to push myself through the stuff that I don't want to do. And I've always been that way. So, you know, there, there's a lot of different factors that go into this, but I look back with like my athletic ability and I'm like, how did nobody help me hone in on that? Cause I should have been a D fucking one athlete. Like absolutely. My brother too. Absolutely. And I was, I was a swimmer and I was good at it, but I didn't have the passion for it. But it was like one of those things my, my mom kind of made me do until I was just in it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. But the 5am practices and then the afternoon practices and just my hair being wet all the time, that's a beast in and of itself. It was just, it was exhausting. So I never could like really wrap my head around it. Now softball, on the other hand, I had crazy passion for and God damn, I had a cannon and accuracy. I will brag about my arm until the fucking cows come home because I could throw better than dudes I know, but I was also really, really super accurate. And I still could be, it's like the one thing about getting older that is really like taking a knife to my soul where I just cannot throw like I used to. And that is where I feel like if I would have honed in on my skills and, you know, had somebody that paid attention to that and really helped me with it, I could have, I could have gone really far, but who's to say? And, 
it could be too that, you know, it's just, I was a teenager and who the fuck knows which way is up when you're a teenager. There's a lot of different factors that go into it, but it's because my home was so tumultuous, there's no like give and take for it. Like there's no, like, at least I had this great home life. It's always like, yeah, well, that was shit. Maybe if that was shit, not everything else would have felt like it was such shit. Like my grades and the athletics and me being so unsure of who I am up until I was like 40. And then I also, I feel blessed to have this journey now because I have figured so many things out. But for all intents and purposes, I just feel like I should, I should be married to somebody who is abusive. I mean, there's generational trauma trends that usually go on. So for, for some reason, I do feel like the whole reason that I'm now 41 and not married or haven't found my person is because I wasn't supposed to yet. And if I look at some of the shit that I have put up with, it's like, damn, thank God I figured this out because how in the world I thought that those were healthy relationships. Like my ex who cheated on me, quote air quotes, cheated on me. We were broken up. We broke up for three weeks and he fucked a friend of mine who she conveniently left her panties under his bed and I found them, didn't quite know they were hers, but I found them. And then I was like, well, I'll just stay. It's these things that I, even up until like somewhat recently, you know, a guy that I was hooked on for a long time. I mean, if I look at the situation, it's like, Kristen, you slept with him three times. You like barely dated him thought you had this great connection. He threw around the word respect, like he respected me, but never actually showed that to me. And I was just like, well, cool. Like this could be love. And it's like, I look at these things now and I, and I'm not even all the way out of the other side of this. I'm still working on it. These are still challenges for me because that programming was ingrained in me so, so young that I I don't know if I'll ever be able to turn it off. Like that wound may always be there, but it's attachment. And it's a, it's a, she's a fierce bitch, that one. And because my dynamic with my dad was so push pull, my attachment style now is so push pull in that when that energy cord is there, I, I'm consciously aware of it now, but only really recently that I will take that energy and I'll be like, okay, let's put it in the void and let's write a story. And then I attach to that story. And then my disorganized attachment style comes in when that guy does something that I don't think is in line with where I want this relationship to go. And I go, okay, now you can go fuck yourself. And it's like, so energetically, I'm so anxiously attached to him. And then physically, I'm like, you need to get the fuck away from me. Leave me alone. And that's been... Woof. realizing that it was more disorganized than anxious was a very, very difficult pill for me to swallow, like hugely, because I realized like, oh my God, you're crazy. <laughs> and I kind of saw it from like a third party view. And I think we don't realize how quote unquote crazy we're being. Please don't label yourself as crazy. I'm not crazy. I have wounds and my brain because it was programmed so young says this is the way that we're safe because energy from men is tumultuous and you need to earn it and chase it and 
win it, win it over, and then you're still not going to be good enough. And so it's just like this, the chaos that was my childhood has now like come full circle as it does for everybody. And it wasn't really until college that I, like if I think about times in my life that I was in like that flow state, it was college was my first time and I almost failed out. Like I got to college and I skated through high school. I mean, I think I was like charming enough that teachers liked me, but also annoying enough that they were like, here's a fucking passing grade, go away. And there were times when I was also like in that flow state in high school. Like I remember my senior English class, like I was crushing it. And I just, I could not get into that state like all the time. And I, I still can't. I mean, I, it's still a struggle for me a lot of the times to get into that state and just be in the zone where I'm like, I feel like I'm crushing it. But I got to college and like my first, my first year was a joke. I don't know if you guys remember the game Snood, but I was a fucking winner at Snood. And I had a, I had a roommate, we were in the dorm together and I would, you know, I just, it wasn't like I didn't want to try. It wasn't like I didn't want to put effort forward. I just, everything was so overwhelming to me. Again, still is very much still aware of it. Um, some days it kills me, the overwhelming feeling of like, oh my God, it's a battle. But that just, it just derailed me. And even, you know, again, with the flow state, not flow state, like the inconsistency, it's, I, I mean, I attribute it to the inconsistency that was in my life as a kid. I, it, it's a direct reflection as within, so without. And that inconsistency showed up. It still shows up. It showed up everywhere. But I remember there was another, I think it was a history class, some degree or I don't know, some law class or something. I don't know. It was like a, a general education course, but like I wrote this paper at the end of it and it was just on fire. Like I got an A plus on it. And I still, I think I got a D in the class because I just, I couldn't get my shit together. Like I didn't know how to learn. Sophomore year did a little bit better, not great, but better. But I started to, like, I just, I don't know what shifted. I don't know what happened. And then junior and senior year, I blew it out of the water. And it was like by senior year, I was taking five classes. I had I don't know if they called it an internship, but it's something extra for three extra credits. So I had 18 credits and I got like a 386, which is something that I was like, who the fuck am I? But that was like my first real taste of flow state. And when I started learning about all this, these energies within us, the masculine feminine energy and the, you know, the balance, I was like, oh, I remember that was like the first time I felt that where I was just like, yes, I am on the roller coaster and it's just going like life is just, I want things and I'm taking aligned action with those things and I am moving toward my goal and it, it worked. But for so long, even after that, I just, I mean, even then too, I just operated in this, this masculine energy and kind of, you know, I think as a lot of us do as women, we fall into this boss bitch culture and whether you have trauma from your childhood or whether you, you know, it's just like these societal nuances that are kind of pushed on us, on us, both as men and, and women. But for women, it's like, do all the things, be a boss bitch, hustle and grind and compete with men. And because of that 
in society and the way I was brought up, I mean, my competitive, I don't know if you'd call them instincts, competitive instincts, just willingness to compete was very strong in an unhealthy way. I'm not talking like, hey, let's go play air hockey and I'm going to kick your ass or, you know, ski ball or I don't know, even golf or something. I don't know. Like not in a healthy way. It was just like, it was just an, an energy of like, okay, I see you. I'm feeling this. Like I, I can, I can hang, I can do it. I can do it better than you. And that has not served me well, but it is a thing that I think a lot of women now we do it. And I can say to this, the second time that I really found myself in flow state, was my first tech job. And I was doing like customer success. I was I was nurturing clients and I loved it. I was really good at it. Like I was kind of the the sole member of the department and I just my boss above me was the bomb and I just it was I was making good money. Like I was making six figures. It was the first time I made six figures. And I was just really aligned with it. Like it was fun. But I thought I got to be the boss bitch and I got to be outside sales. I got to be outside tech sales. And that a big piece of that was the paycheck of it. Like I wanted the paycheck of that. And since then I have realized there is a way for me to have both and be okay with it, you know, to be in that flow state, to be happy and then to be pulling in really good money. Like there is a way for me to have both. And that was after, you know, I had like this, this awakening where I just, realize that there really are no rules in society and we don't have to abide by shit. We can do whatever we want. That took me a while to get there. But so I had this tech job and then, and granted the company sold, you know, it's not like I just, I left the job and tried to get into outside sales and just, you know, dismissed what I, what I was really enjoying. But I didn't seek out after that, I didn't seek out what was aligned with me, I sought out what I thought I should be seeking based on the boss bitch culture and the idea that things have to be a certain way for me to get what I want. And the real thing that I want is a feeling. Anything we're going after is because we want a feeling. So I lived in that energy for, for a long time. And after I left my first tech company, I was there for four years. That was like the soul aligned company that I was with. And then I worked at another couple tech companies. Um, and then I moved up to Boston because the, the boss who hired me at the first tech company hired me at this tech company to somewhat do the same thing. And I, that, this is where I made the most money I've ever made. I, and I also know that it was, I was the most miserable I ever was. I moved up to Boston and subsequently the ex who slept with my friend was also in Boston at the time. Like I was so unsure of who I really was and had no idea what my worth was and had no idea what I really brought to a relationship. And I was so worried whether or not he was picking me that I, I look back and I'm just like, God damn. But I was so, I was afraid to leave the house for fear that I would see him because I was that broken inside. And so I'm making all this money I'm living in the, the cool apartment in Boston, downtown Boston, right above the Whole Foods. And I'm miserable. And so this is where like the piece of my life where I realized, okay, money makes life easier. Money does not make you happy. 
I was too upset at the time to piece all of this together. Like there were days when I would just come home and like be a ball on my bathroom floor and just like, is this ever going to end? Is it ever going to end? And so when I was in Boston, I actually lost two jobs through no fault of my own. I guess I should take some personal accountability for it. But truthfully, like the company that I moved up there for, they had a sister company out in Silicon Valley and they ended up selling us out from under us. So we all got let go. Um, and then I found another job at another tech company and they hired me for like a position they were building out that I was going to, you know, really help them expand a department. And if, I mean, two, three weeks into the job, I was like, there's not enough work for me to do it. This is not viable. And so I, I rode that out for a little while and then they finally let me go. Um, and after that, like, I remember having one call with a recruiter and I was, he, I, I think he made a comment about something on my resume and I was like, fuck you. It doesn't need to be changed. Not in those words, but that was my energy. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm not quite ready. So I ended up going to South America and backpacking for two months by myself, solo backpacker. It was one of the coolest things I've ever done. It was the end of 2017. So I did Ecuador, the Galapagos, Peru, and then Argentina. And by the end of it, I was like, I can't wait to go home. I'm tired of living in hostels, out of my backpack, and I want a real pair of pants. It was awesome, though. It was the coolest, most liberating thing I've ever done. The, one of the scariest things I've ever done. Like, my Spanish wasn't that great. It still isn't. It was just, it was like a little midlife crisis that I had to take, and I did it. And it was wonderful. And then while I was there, I was like, okay, you know, my instinct kind of kicked in and I was like, we got to get out of Boston. Where are we going to go? So I narrowed it down. And we, I had Austin, Chicago, Denver, or San Diego. And I ended up in SD because Philly's somewhat of a beach town. I know it's really not, but Jersey is like we have access to a beach and that was what I wanted. So my mom and I drove across the country with my two cats at the time in the car. And as you can see, if you can see this video, you see I still got one. She's 19. She's the oldest lady ever. And uh, I've been in SD since then. So it's been a crazy ride. Even, you know, being here and being where I am now, it's, and the, the growth that I have experienced in the past two years, really. I mean, I guess we're always growing, but real, realistically, like I had a weird spiritual awakening two years ago in August after, I guess, a breakup with a different boy, which I've talked about before. But the healing that I have done since then is absolutely monumental. Like it's more than most people do in a whole lifetime because I've just become obsessed with healing myself and understanding myself. And really, you know, the, the main goal for me is finding what I would consider my person and being the version of myself who can hold space for them. Because when I now look at my wounds and my attachments and my fears and my doubts, and my insecurities and all, all the bullshit that has like piled up inside of me over the course of my life, I see it much more clearly for what it is. And that when we as humans get in a relationship, typically that's when the emotional triggers come up the most. And before it was like, I would feel that energy I'd put that person on a pedestal. I'd, you know, be in the subconscious mindset of chasing them, trying to earn their love. And they would do something that was, again, not in line with where I thought we should be going. And I would think that they were doing it to me. 
So that emotional trigger then became their problem. And I would project it back on them. Like, why are you doing this to me? And they're not because everybody's just human and they're only acting from their own, their own story and their own internal story. And they're the, you know, if that's a battle or whatever, they have their own fears, their own insecurities, their own wounds. And so now I can look at these and I, I can say with more certainty, like, okay, I know this person is doing something that is triggering the emotion, but they're not the wound. They didn't create the wound. They're just, you know, unintentionally hitting the wound. And so now I can say, hey, I have this wound and I'd really like to work on it together. Like, do you, you want to stick around and help me through this? And I will do the same for you because I'm sure you have your own shit. And that is where, you know, a relationship can be born. Instead of waiting for somebody to come around and save me and waiting for, and I didn't actually think that I was waiting, but I look back and I'm like, yeah, I was. Because one, I didn't think that I, you know, really had a, a choice, I guess, in who I liked. And it was like that 100% in, 100% out. So when I would find somebody that I felt that energy with, I would go 100% in, not realizing I have a choice in that. But also, is this somebody that is really aligned with me? Because I wasn't paying attention to that. I was just paying attention to the wound and the fear, which was, you know, those butterflies and writing that story and attaching to that story without really knowing somebody. So now it's more like, hey, let's open up to each other and I have my baggage, you have yours. Let's talk about it. Let's communicate about it. In a crazy twist of events, communication is key. And grow together and see if this works. And there are still fears that I have behind this. Like, I don't think that we're ever truly healed all the way from everything. So it really becomes a journey of, of healing together. And really letting somebody in and opening up yourself up to vulnerability, which is, again, your, your feminine energy. And so my attachment issue, like there are fears that I'm going to find somebody who is, you know, on paper really good and really open and communicative. And he's still not going to be right for me. And I'm going to struggle to detach from it because I have energetically attached to people since I was... 16 years old looking to fill that void. And again, my void has was programmed in there so, so early that it's it's really, really difficult even being conscious of it to, you know, fill it from within. And over the past two years, I really like stripped out a lot of my my masculine energy, at least for a time period, because I was leading so much with that before that. Just this, you know, if if we look at like your feminine is internal, masculine's external, then it was just this this doing energy of like. I have to control things. And when people don't show up the right way, I have to make sure they know that and they need to change. And because it was attachment, I was stuck to these people. And now, like even with this growth that I've been on the past two years, I find myself needing to let go of a lot of things to make space for who I'm becoming, which is hard because that means people that I've been connected to for the past several years that I love dearly but learning to let go of of toxicity and learning to let go of people who aren't serving me anymore but that 100% in mentality comes in it creeps in and it's like well if you don't love them then you have to 
hate them, I guess is a word, but you know, like disassociate with them is more, I, I think more aligned. And that's, it's tough. It's a tough balance. And I'm, I'm learning to cut toxicity off much, much easier. It's become a much easier thing for me to do. But I think because I was so connected to such toxicity for like my whole life, my whole childhood, that it's hard for me to let go of it. It, it is that disorganized attachment, even with friendships. It's hard to let go of somebody that you know is really not serving you. So I find myself still in this like consistent cycle and this consistent battle of, am I doing the right thing? And am I in the right place? And am I with the right people? I don't know. But the thing that I'm learning to lead with is my femininity. But when you just sit with yourself and ask yourself these questions and get out of your head and move into your body, the answers are there because your intuition isn't loud and screamy. That's usually your fears. Your intuition is typically pretty quiet and just like more of a whisper. But when you sit with yourself and allow your thoughts just to come up naturally and you don't stop running from them, you stop running from yourself and you just sit down and you're like, hey, higher self, I like to call it the inner badass. Like I need answers. You'll get them. That voice within will give you more information than anything outside of you will ever. And so here I am. 2023, still having kind of like zero clue where life is going. The difference now for me is I'm not afraid of that because I've built this self-worth up so big inside of me. And that's not to say that I am at all perfect with it. Like I still have my doubts. I still have my fears. I still have my insecurities. The difference there is that I, I know when I'm operating or when I'm feeling one of those. And it's not necessarily about changing it. It's just being aware of it, right? Because like I said, some of the things that we do, we can't necessarily change completely in terms of relationships in our life. And it's like, hey, I have this wound that I, that I would like to work on. But this is my shit, but I'm asking you if you want to help me with it. And that's the self-awareness piece. Sometimes it takes another person to really help us through that shit. Some, sometimes it takes another person to become aware of that shit. But I think the, the big shift for me, and I've always had a lot of personal accountability and self-awareness, but now it's at a level where I'm like, fuck, dude, like I'm, I'm going where I need to go. And I have this mentality, which might seem a little aggressive, but it's like, dude, I'm moving. If you're not on this train with me, you are getting fucking run over. Like move, bitch, get out the way. And I am becoming more and more unapologetic for that. And it's not because I dislike people. I'm learning to let go of like that 100% in, 100% out kind of thing. And it's just like, you are you and I am me. And if I don't feel the serious alignment between us, I got to let you go because, and I, I would hope that anybody listening to this would do the same to me or to anybody who is, that's not serving you. I was going to say like a sandbag tied to a rope around your ankle, but that's really the toxic things. Like you got to cut that off. You've got to cut that off. You cannot climb a ladder with a 40 foot rope tied to your ankle with a sandbag on the end of it. You can't. I mean, maybe you can, but it will be slow and your one thigh will be way bigger than the other. That's just how it's going to go and you'll look weird. So don't do it. You got to cut the toxicity off. I, it took me so long to do that because I didn't want to ruffle feathers or be dramatic or cause problems. 
if you are in that mentality, you're causing problems internally and they're just going to manifest back into your life in one way or another, cut the toxicity off. Do it, do it, do it. Trying not to give pieces of advice in this episode, but that's mine. Like, do it, cut the toxicity off. Seriously, when I did that, and we're talking like within the last couple of weeks, the shifts that happened in my life as soon as I started doing it, like as soon as I made the decision that like this is no longer serving me, I am going to learn to detach from this and figure out the best way to move forward. I had emails in my inbox that I was waiting for for weeks. And I was like, damn, that's too coincidental to be a coincidence. It's too coincidental to be a coincidence. There's something more going on there. And it has not stopped since. And I refuse to stop now because I am on a mission to be completely aligned with who I am and just keep figuring myself out and call in the people that are supposed to be in my life. Whether that's for a day, a month, a year, or the rest of my life. But I'm I'm planting my feet where they are and learning to be grateful for that and learning to let go and learning to find more of that feminine energy that is leading me, leading my masculine to do things that are aligned with me. doesn't mean it's going to work out that way every time. Learning to write the story in my head. I've always lived in my imagination. Always. This is one thing I didn't say was that I, I, I said I used to write the story and attach to it, but I think it was my escape. I think, you know, I used to write a really fierce story in my head and I would attach to what I wanted my life to look like. And then, or I, I used to imagine what I would want my life to look like. And then I would attach to that imaginative state. And so I'm learning now to write the story, write the detail, write all the characters in the play of who I, you know, think I want to play each part. If and when I, you know, if I meet somebody and I think I want to date, I'm like, okay, write him into the story. Let his face be that character for a little while. But don't attach to it being there. Attach to the feeling it's bringing you when you're in that imaginative state. Hold on to that, that feeling because talked about it before, like your body can't tell, your brain can't tell the difference between imaginative and, and actually what you're experiencing with your five senses. So when you're doing that, when I'm living in that imaginative state, my brain is listening like dopamine and serotonin and whatever other, you know, neurons and transmitters are up there floating around for the happy thoughts. The more I do that, the more my brain body connection gets used to living in that state and does it more naturally. So that when I am not in alignment with myself, I can recognize it much easier because now I'm not dominantly living in a state of negativity and a state of misery. And I don't find that to be familiar anymore. Like when, when something's off now, I am acutely aware of it internally. And I'm like, I don't feel good. I don't feel right. And I may not know why in the moment, it may take me a little bit to dissect it. Why did this person doing this bother me so much? Or why was this situation so you know, anxiety producing for me, or why do I not feel good today? What the fuck am I worried about? I have to dig, but the self-awareness piece of noticing the mood, noticing the the not good feeling inside of me is where it starts. That's the self-awareness. This is to me when I when I coach like why this is so important because it all starts with being aware of what you're feeling, because what you're feeling comes from what you're thinking and what you're thinking stems from what you're believing. 
And all of that adds to you doing. So if you're on a subconscious level with all of it, you're doing things that are out of alignment with you, which is why you're experiencing things you don't want to experience. And that's where I lived for so long with that masculine, that unhealed masculine energy that was like, let's, we got to do more to get more and then we'll live better. I don't know. Let's go fuck shit up. Now it's like, okay, sit down. And if you don't feel good, don't you fucking do anything. I don't care if you have to go like punch a wall, which I'm imagining doing with boxing gloves, like to get your energy out, but do it before you do anything while you don't feel good. Cause that's just reactive. It's emotional. It's controlling. It's attaching to an outcome. And so now it's, it's more in that feminine state and, you know, touching base with my intuition and being like, Hey lady, and masculine and feminine are not male and female, but for me internally, they are. That's how I identify as the feminine. And then my masculine is like a presence within me. And he's like the boyfriend that I, <laughs> you know, if I, if I had a boyfriend, what would he do? He'd be like, babe, I got you. We're safe. Like, that's what I imagine it within as just this, this little internal couple that is keeping each other safe and in alignment and balanced. And that's, it works really well for me. And so I think I've hit the whole timeline. Like I'm, I'm now I'm here sitting in front of my camera, talking into a microphone with all of you listening. And I hope that for those of you who are struggling with anything, especially in dating, and I know you are a lot of you, like you're not alone. You're not crazy. You're not damaged. You're not broken. You're not doomed for misery. He or she or they are out there. And the more you look internally, this is from my own experience, and yes, I'm advice giving now. I, I'll say this about me. The more I have looked internally, the stronger I have gotten, the happier I've become, the more fulfilled I feel, the less hoping and searching and wishing for something outside of me to come along and complete me. And granted, don't, don't get me wrong at all. I'm so excited about what's coming. And I feel like I'm closer than ever to finding who I am supposed to be with and who is really aligned with me. And I feel that because I'm calling in more and more people that are aligned with me. And I am physically and energetically letting people go that are not. And learning to let go with love, which means there's more love inside of me. The more that I have looked within, the more my life shifts for the better. The more I can like really feel that the things I want to manifest are actually really close, like a lot closer than they think, than I think, or a lot closer than I even feel. And that's not something that I've ever done before. That's not a mindset that I have ever been in. I lived in victim mode for a very long time to some extent. And now I have really pulled that out because it just, it's, it's not the victim mode is like morally reprehensible. It's just it's like the least effective tool you have in your toolkit. Sure, there's a time and a place for it. Go cry it out. Boo-hoo, why is he doing this to me? Can't believe they did this to me. She sucks. She made me miserable. Okay, live in that. Wallow in it. However long you need to. But know that if you're living in that space and your life isn't changing, that's fucking why. And so there's a dance you got to do with yourself that only you can do with yourself. You can get all the advice and all the opinions that you want but at the end of the day you're the one who knows you best but you got to get to know you best and the way to do that is 
to go through the discomfort, to go through the pain, to go through, you know, the, the, go through challenging yourself. More importantly, questioning everything about who you are, because most of us don't. Most of us don't have an emotional trigger and immediately think, fuck, what is going on inside of me? No, they go, fuck you. It's your fault. And the more that I have done that, the more I've taken my focus off of everything outside of me and made every feeling that I have and every emotion that I have and every thought that I have and every pattern that I have about me, the more I have grown, the more I have like skyrocketed into this version of myself that is like, bro, we are nothing to fuck with. And now, and there's still a little bit of like, I guess, uneasiness about, you know, am I bragging about myself? Am I being egotistical? No, like I really know what I'm bringing to the table now, which I think it also adds to why I am able to let go of people that I do not believe serve me without feeling guilty about it, without feeling like, oh my God, maybe I could have done, done more or done differently. No, it's just, it is what it is. Like we're just not aligned, at least not right now. The way I view myself now, truly from a place of self-love and not ego, because I view myself with this lens of, dude, you have so much to fucking offer someone, not only in a partnership, but you know, to my clients, to the people who really want to step out of a place of, of just loneliness, whether they're single or not. Like, yeah, my quote unquote ideal client is a single woman. I mean, it's me. Like if I could work with more versions of me, that'd be great. But a lot of you are lonely and are in relationships and you don't know why. And it's because you don't know you. And I was worried about it for a long time that I couldn't find the right people in terms of clientele who are ready to take accountability for the life, who are really ready to step out of the pain of, you know, that loneliness and that emptiness and that void and step through the pain of healing. I'm like giving myself goosebumps right now because it's so fucking worth it. It's so fucking worth it. And this is like full circle where I said like, I, I'm now grateful for the bullshit that has happened in my life and the, the trauma that I have been through and the trauma I'm willing to say that I've been through because it has brought me to this woman that I'm like kind of fucking obsessed with who's just, I, I'm literally like almost like a whole new person in the best ways possible. And I'm not perfect. I think I said that already, but I'm not, I don't think I'm perfect. I think I have a lot of wounds. I just, I shame myself so much less for not being perfect. The level of perfectionism that we carry around with us and the, the shame that we spit at other people when they're not perfect is because we think that we should get shamed because we're not perfect. And that's why, you know, so many of romantic relationships fail so quickly and people bail so easily. One, because there's another fucking bumblebee right in, waiting around the corner for us. And I don't remember what two was because we're so afraid to face our own pain. We're so afraid to face ourselves. It's so easy to just blame and be like, there are no good people out there. Men suck and women are crazy. Sure, there's a lot of that, but I 
like living in that space is not where I want to live. It's not who I want to be because I want to see the world as an abundant place. And for a lot of people, they won't get there because they live in negativity. And for some people, they will get there because they live in negativity and they hear this, sh this shit that I'm saying and they're going to be like, fuck, the I can do something differently. I, I can shift. I don't have to feel this way. No, you fucking don't. You don't at all. Like everything that happens within you, every belief, every thought, every feeling, and then subsequently every action, that's a choice. And when you choose differently and better for yourself, just when you choose, like just internally just own that shit it will manifest outwardly and i use the word manifest now and i i'm really like digging into it because manifestation in the community of manifestation i think overall is taught in a very woo woo way people think it's black magic people think it's voodoo i, I don't know what other words people think it's woo woo it is from a lot of the ways that I've seen it taught. And so I am really, really now digging into the idea of manifesting from not only a place of self, but a place of psychology or not only a place of psychology, but from a place of self and detachment. That was my biggest hindrance. And so many things being taught in the manifestation community are through insecure, unhealthy attachment. If you're so fixated on something specific, you're not doing it right. You're limiting yourself so much and probably for a lot of you keeping yourself stuck. So my goals now moving forward are to teach people like how to get out of their own way. Not because there's anything wrong with you and not because you're broken, just because you don't know any different. You're just, it's your programming. That programming that was programmed in there when you were little has you think in a certain way. And my job is to break that pattern because you don't have to fucking think in any specific way other than the way that feels most aligned and good for you. And when you shift that, that's where the magic happens, the magic of manifesting. And you think, oh, a lot of people think like, oh, it's, look at all this magic shit that's just happening for her. No, you're the fucking magic. Your being, like who you are being is from your beliefs and that will manifest. Get something different. You have to believe something different. You got to believe it to be it. And when you be it, you'll see it. We're going to end with that weird Dr. Seuss rhyme that I made up a couple weeks ago, and we're going to call it a day. And I hope this helps. And I want to say, if anybody's still listening, um, please review, share this, like it, write a review, leave me some stars. I'd love to hear what you think because it's so important. And it's been so monumentally fucking life-changing for me that I can't even... I feel like I repeat myself so much, but everything I say is is just the truth and it's just really authentic to who I am. And if I can do it, there's no reason you can't do it. Like, yes, I'm unique, but I'm not fucking special. My uniqueness is that I can help you do it so that you don't have to do it by yourself. My uniqueness is that I did do it by myself because that's what I had to do to learn to be a coach and a goddamn good one at that. So please reach out. Like, I am happy to have a conversation with you and talk with you about it. But I, until you are ready to help you, like I, nobody can do it for you. Find that courage and step up and, and reach out to somebody that you feel aligned with. You feel you could get something out of. And then go into, that, go into it with that mentality, whether it's me or not. Like if you're hesitating at all on getting the help you need, whatever feels aligned with you, like go do it because it's so worth it. It's so worth pushing through that discomfort. 
Okay. I love you all. <laughs>